0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. What I wanted to try and do this morning is continue from where we were last week, and we were talking about prophetic ministry from a New Testament perspective. And um, last week we we spent a bit of time just recognizing that there's a fundamentally different approach and understanding of our relationship with God as we are people living on the right side of the cross, the correct side. And so as new covenant people, we have the, the advantage of being on this side of the cross. And when we look at the Old Testament scriptures, we remember that they were living on the other side of the cross. And the the prophetic writings and what they were seeing, even as they were under the law, not under grace, but there was a certain perspective with regards to how they saw the shadow the real substance came with Jesus. So we as New Testament believers, we live with the substance. Whereas the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was just the shadow. And if we want to live with a mindset of the Old Covenant, we are going to be aligning ourselves with an old wineskin. And Jesus said, you can't pour new wine into an old wineskin. It's just not going to work. The skin will burst. The wine will spill out. It will be ruined. Okay, so in other words, we need to change and move away from an old covenant thinking and perspective with regards to our relationship with Jesus. And... We were looking a number of weeks ago how we can live by the Spirit and that we are called not to live works-based, self-effort, self-righteousness in terms of our salvation and in terms of our ongoing walk with the Lord. It's not works, earning it. It has to be by faith, trusting in what Jesus did on the cross to get in to the kingdom and to continue to sustain our living in the kingdom, it continues by faith and not by works. So we've got to move away from old wineskin thinking and embrace new wineskin thinking and living. Similarly, as we look at the Old Testament writings, we have new lenses. He's given us a new set of glasses, lenses, through which we approach the Scriptures. And if, as a New Testament believer, you put on Old Covenant lenses, Old Covenant thinking, it's going to mess with the way you look at the Scriptures, So even though we're looking at Old Testament writings, we do so with a different set of lenses. Okay, that's quick recap on last week. Now, as we're living in the New Covenant and the New Testament, God speaks to us and he is a speaking God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He started this whole show off with, in the beginning, God spoke. God said, let there be. So he, he speaks things. And then we see the end of the book, and he proclaims things. So he's a speaking God. All right? And so, because he's speaking, we need to be listening, hearing, that we might do we might live in alignment with what he's saying, what he's doing. Not just be hearers, only we must be doers of what he's speaking. So we live in this constant existence of hearing his voice, being led by the spirit as he's leading and guiding us every day. And so when we're talking about prophetic, really what we're saying is, listening to God's communications to us and he communicates in a variety of ways. So he's communicating, listening to that and then either speaking it to ourselves or just speaking it to others. That's prophetic ministry. Yeah. It doesn't have to have a microphone. It doesn't have to have a blog or any other platform. It's just like communicating words of hope, life, and encouragement. When we hold on to an old covenant model of prophetic ministry, then we think it's got to be weird. You've got to eat strange food, diet of locusts. You've got to wear strange clothes like camel skin, rough. You've got to sleep outdoors. You know, you've got like wilderness kind of stuff. And you've got to be external to the church and you know, like hammering at the gates of the the church. That's old covenant thinking. That's an old covenant model of prophetic ministry. And God has called us into the new and he said, I will pour out my spirit on some flesh and only a couple will prophesy, and we'll call them the prophets. Now I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and my sons and my daughters are going to hear my voice, they will speak, they will prophesy. In other words, this is something so radically different in the new covenant compared to what was going on in the old covenant. You see, the old covenant, the Spirit was not poured out on all flesh, it was only on certain individuals. So the anointing. Sorry, I'm interrupting myself. It was just too funny. I went somewhere this week, and they were talking about the anointment. (laughs) Yeah, the anointment is on you. It's kind of okay. That's good. So the old covenant thinking was that God only chose a few handful super select people, put his spirit on them and would only speak and communicate with these very few highly gifted, specifically chosen people of God. And because the spirit was only on a few, not on everyone, the words that the prophet spoke had to be absolutely accurate because the spirit had not been poured out on all flesh and the gift of discernment that goes with that had not been poured out on all flesh which meant that the sheep had no discernment and so to protect the sheep in the old model God said if anybody's talking rubbish fake news you stone them like real stones Not the other kind. Just real stones. Okay? Take them out because why? They're going to confuse God's people because the people don't have the gift of discernment and they, in that sense, have to hear because it's the very words of God. That's old wineskin. In the new covenant... Oh my goodness, he's given to us the spirit by which we can attest with our own spirit. Ha, this is the living God. I have a witness, I know because I've got a knower. Yeah, when the spirit is given to you, you get given a knower and you know by the spirit. That's why you can test the spirits. You can test, is this from God or isn't it? Is this a a right word or isn't it? And everybody gets to weigh judge. That's the command. Test, hold on to the good, spit out the rubbish. It's like, you know, you're eating a meal, fish, and they're little bones. And you put it in your mouth, you didn't even see the bone was there, but all of a sudden, "Mm -mm, this doesn't feel good. You don't swallow it. You shouldn't. Right? You don't say, oh, the fish is bad and throw it in the bin. No. You eat the flesh of the fish and you spit out the bones. You're testing, you're feeling, is this right? What do I consume and what do I reject? So, with every prophetic word, we test, we weigh, we judge, we hold on to the good and we discard what's not and we have the ability to do it because we are born from above. Our spirits have been made alive with Christ and our spirit witnesses with Holy Spirit that this is the living God. Yay! A new wineskin for a new day. But the old day, that wasn't the case. So there's certain things that they got into as a protection mechanism for God's people so that they would know how to navigate under that way of relating under the old covenant. And when we mistakenly, as new covenant believers, try and submit ourselves to the old wineskin, that's when things go a little bit wrong. And the church, some really unusual, weird and strange things. We'll get to that in a moment. Stay tuned. Before I get there. Let me just say the reason that God speaks to us today is for our benefit. The disciples, they had had this crazy thing going on, Jesus gave this like higher grade revelation. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And the crowds that had been following Jesus because they, they'd got free, f- I was going to say fish and chips, <laughs> fish and bread rolls the day before. All right? So they all rock up and they say, listen, I've got better food for you. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And the people are grossed out. This is like, "Mm mm-mm. Fish, nice. Rolls, fresh. I mean, like right in front of us. People heard like they were coming for more. And then Jesus said this thing, they all scatter. And the 12 are looking like So Jesus says, do you guys also want to just go off? And they kind of like have a little caucus meeting. Uh, To whom else can we go? It's like if there was someone else, we might. But you're the only one with the words of life. You see, when Jesus speaks, it comes with the words of life. Life flows to us. So this is the whole thing. In the new covenant, we are his and he's speaking to us and life flows to us through his words to us. Man shall not live by bread alone. It doesn't say not bread, but bread alone. So have some bread. But it's by every word. That's, it's the real life that energizes us causes us to live a victorious life is his communication to us. So we need to be hearing, we need to be having, we need to honor and receive prophetic ministry, which is God communicating to us as new covenant believers. So what are some of the benefits of new covenant, New Testament prophetic ministry? I'm So glad you asked that question. Well, firstly, what it does, it gives us hope and gives us great encouragement. Because, uh, for a number of reasons, I'm going to try and smash it together here. Let's go back to the feeding of, I know it says the 5,000, but it says the 5,000 men. They had a wife and some kids with them. So you're probably talking, you know, maybe 20, 25,000 people were there. And, um, and the amazing thing is the, the, the disciples were blown away, let alone, you know, the, the great crowd there. Because we know, because we just read the next chapter that the, everybody came back the next day for more. You know, they thought this is, this is like, yay, free food. Anyone in, acts are there. Twitter feed, I mean, it went crazy. Everyone's reposting hashtag. That's it. So they're all just like blown away. So the 12, it's like, oh my goodness. This was astounding. And they all got their kind of like, you know, posts and whatever and taking selfies. is like, like, he took five loaves and two fish and he divided amongst the 12 of us. So like I got just a little bit less than half a loaf. And I got a, uh, I got a bit of fish, you know. Those guys got the tail. Someone else got the head. Anyone like an eye? It's delicacy in some places. Some places I go, they want me to eat the eye as a special treat. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm kind of like, this is crazy, absolutely crazy. He took the five loaves, he took the two fish, he blessed it, and then he divided amongst the 12 of us and we kind of like, and then he said, now go and give. It's kind of like, oh my goodness. So I just had this like half loaf and this little morsel of fish and as I was giving to the people, it's like every time I took from this little half loaf, it just like, it just, it would just like replenish. This is like. <laughs> and I remembered like Elijah, you know, the jar of flour, but that was pre-baking and cooking. This was already done. Oh my goodness, i got an upgrade miracle here. Yeah? Fish anyone? Fish aways, yes. And the guys are going, oh. And Peter's kind of like, man, if only fishing was as easy as this. <laughs> and he's kind of like, oh man, these cars are just like blown away. And it's like, this is crazy. And then like, oh gosh, did you hear the testimony? Like, of course you did, man. The crazy thing was, when we gave it to the people, I just like, here's a bit of bread for you, and here's a bit of fish for you. And they were eating, and they kept, and they said, like, get a basket we've got a case for you it's not a basket case this is a case of God's intervention and we all collected 12 like one each the 12 where did that multiplication take place in whose hands did that multiplication of the 12 baskets in whose hands did that multiplication take place It was in the people's hands. It wasn't in Jesus' hands. And the 12, had kind of like, here you go, guys. Because they sat in groups. It was like connect groups. And then, and they collect all this stuff. It's just like, this is, this is crazy supernatural stuff. Yeah? And then Jesus said, boys, tell you what, we're gonna go on a bit of a victory lap here, a bit of R and R as well. Chaps, sunset cruise. You guys get in your boat and just cruise along, beautiful. I'll meet you on the other side of the lake. This guy's like, oh, Jesus, you speak in my love language, man. I grew up here, Galilee, you know, fishing uh, boats love it on the water. Oh, Jesus, thank you. It's like, oh, it's. Oh, guys and like Matthew's kind of like, oh, I don't know about this, you know. And it's like, oh, Thomas, I doubt that we'll have a good trip. And It's just like, oh. And then a storm comes up. And then these guys are kinda of like, Oh no. And Matthew says, I told you so. <laughs> it's like and he's reaching for a bag. Judas won't give him the other bag. <laughs> he, he's got the money bag. And Matthew's like, I need a bag. And they just said, no, 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 no boff bag. You're over the edge, boy. You're just like, because the waves are big and they're terrified. They are terrified. Even the guys who'd grown up on the lake their whole lives, from being tiny little chockers, they knew the lake. And they're kind of like, man, that weather app is lying again. Need to get a new app. This is like totally like it's not working for me, the weather forecast is all wrong, whatever. And kind of, it was meant to be like an easy ride across. But what was the thing that sustained them? What is the thing that should have sustained them? Jesus had said, boys, I will meet you on the other side. Jesus was giving them a prophetic word. Dudes, You will get to the other side because that's where I'm gonna meet you. Jesus doesn't lie. So his words are faithful and true. So he's given them a word. We will meet again. When the Lord speaks a word to us, it gives us hope and encouragement that even though I'm into a storm, that I didn't see coming, and this thing is crazy. It's like, let's talk climate change crazy. It's like we've never seen this before. It's a bit like in Canada now. You know, we've never seen this before except in 2001 and 1992 and <laughs> 1980, but we've never seen this before, Once, in, but, you know, except like 2001. Well, did they or didn't you? Or kind of like, okay, anyway. He's given to them a word. I will see you on the other side. I will meet you. You're gonna get through this thing. A storm will come. A storm will come but God has said I'm faithful. Why has he given us this word? Why is he saying you're gonna be like an olive tree and you're gonna flourish? Why did he speak that to us this morning? Why is this olive thing so significant? Because the olive, it speaks about longevity. It's one of these amazing trees that grows for centuries and it withstands drought. This is the most amazing thing. And he says, you are gonna be like this olive tree and you're gonna flourish, doesn't matter what comes your way, you're gonna flourish. Why is he saying this to us? Well, it's highly likely we're gonna bump into some drought. I said, but I thought you said we're gonna flourish. Yes. I was giving you hope that when you're in the middle of the drought, you don't think that's it we're done for. We're going to die. You actually remember, all right, God spoke to us before that we would be coming through this and we will yet again get into a place of flourishing. How does he know this? You see, that's the amazing thing about God, eh? This is astounding. You know, it's like, It's like he knows things. How does he do that? I'm glad you asked. You see, he's so enormous that he creates realms and dimensions. In fact, before there was time, he existed. And he created this dimension of time. And so he's bigger and in that sense outside of this dimension of time. We live in this dimension and so we think everything according to calendars. And you know chronological sequence and all the rest of it, it's kind of like, well I can only, you know tomorrow, you know you can worry about it, or we shouldn't. We are told not to, but I mean, what can you do about tomorrow? Well, you can try and prepare, but you don't really know what's going to be because you haven't been there. You don't really. It's like, uh, whoa! You have to wait until tomorrow comes to actually see what's there. But not with God. He's not in this Chronos, chronological time. He is outside of time, and he's everywhere. All of the time. And God kind of time is called Kairos, God moments, and he intersects with our Kronos time. So Kairos moments, like when Jesus came, the first coming, it says in the fullness of time, when time was ripe. Like Africa, the continent we understand, time is ripe. Yeah, you, when it's good and right, then you, then you go for it yeah it's not living people from the northern hemisphere they live like this but people from this continent when it's ripe we'll do it and that's why we misunderstand each other because we're living from different kind of perspectives it's like but it's like why you want to worship this thing man okay all right kairos moments break into chronology yeah and because he's outside of time and he's everywhere all of the time he's already in our tomorrows and he says listen chaps I've come back from the future and he says listen I know what's happening there because I'm there I'm waiting for you there. You'll get to it. So let me just tell you what you can expect when you get there. Because I'm already here waiting for you. Even while I'm here with you right now, and I'm here with you tomorrow, and all of your tomorrows. But let me just tell you over here, let me just give you some hope. Because there's going to be a little storm between here and here. So I'm going to speak to you to give you encouragement that you are going to flourish like an olive tree even though there's going to be a drought in the middle. The drought is not going to define you. Come on, winemakers love a drought season. Why do winemakers love a drought season? Because something happens, there's a concentration of flavors in the grape that is different from when there's a season of abundant rain. And the vintage is defined by the hardship that it goes through. And they say, ooh, now that year, you want to get that wine. In our own lives, we like to shy away from difficulty and drought. We like it to be comfortable. But God does some of his finest work in our darkest hours because his light can shine brightly against the backdrop of darkness. It Doesn't mean that darkness is winning. It just means that God can turn things around in dramatic fashion. He doesn't just need favorable conditions to bring about a favorable result. And he says, okay, boys and girls, I'm gonna show you something now about me. Even though everything is going, I was gonna say south, but yeah, we are in South Africa, so let's read. Everything can be going like in the wrong direction and we think like, that's it, we're done for. And he says, hang in there. I'm gonna show you something really special. He takes a nation into a wilderness. He said, and, he, and he absolutely messes with them. You know, they get payday. 400 years worth of slavery. No pay. And he says, all right, you, ching, ching. Your pay, your parents pay, your grandparents pay, your great-great-parents pay. 400 years worth of payment for your whole family line. Here you go. Enjoy. And the Egyptians said, you know what, here you go. You want my earring, belly ring, nose ring? You can have all of our jewelry, here's the money, Yeah, take it, you know what, what else do you need? Cutlery, yeah, help yourself. The Egyptians loaded them as payment 400 years worth of wages. And they're kind of like, man, have you seen this? Yes. God takes them to the wilderness. There's no shopping mall. There's there's no online deliveries, there's nothing. This is like We've got all this wealth, all this money and there's nothing to buy. I've got a rock. Anybody want a rock? You know, selling rocks. this is like, yeah, i selling snow to Eskimos. This is like rock this there was nothing. They couldn't buy their way out of the trouble. There was no corner store to buy bread. He says don't worry chaps, manna. Didn't earn it, didn't work for it, couldn't pay for it, and it was the best thing. For 40 years they sustained. And the minerals and the nutrition that he puts in that manner. You know like if you eat one thing, you probably noticed this during the, some of you doing Daniel fasting. It's like you, you just eat one kind of you know, fruit and veggies, whatever. You're only getting certain nutrients into the body. But there's some things that are missing from your diet. Somehow God put all the essential nutrients, minerals into the manna that sustain them. That They come out after 40 years, they're not emaciated. They're not nutritionally deficient. They actually can go and fight a war. That's how they've been sustained and maintained. Out of nothing, God... I mean, they still to this day, oh my goodness, manna. Like, oh, if only could have some manna. This is amazing, right? God can show off against the backdrop of difficult conditions and situations. But he speaks a word to carry us through, knowing, hey boys, I'll meet you on the other side. That's why prophetic ministry is so good and important. It gives us perspective. Hebrews 12, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Oh, okay, the rise and fall of kingdoms. Oh, Okay, end of an era. Oh, Okay, I've got a grid for what's happening on the planet right now. End of a shemitah. yeah, okay. Debts are canceled. Wow, what does that look like? You'll find out tomorrow morning. Interesting, but if everything goes like, whoa, storm. Don't worry about reaching for the bath bag. It's like, hey, we're gonna get through this. Didn't take him by surprise. He's gonna carry us through, right? So we get perspective, we get hope we get encouragement, we get direction. It's kind of like, boys, should we turn around? Should we keep going? It's like we're on the treadmill here. Like we keep rowing, but nothing's happening. It's hours. It's like maybe we should just go back. In prophetic words come kind of like, other side. Don't turn back. I'll meet you on the, that's where I'll meet you. So, keep your direction. Keep going for it. This is where I've called you to go. Prophetic ministry, super, super important. God communicating, speaking to our hearts, to our lives. So, we get perspective on what's happening in the world, we get insight as to what God is doing. Yeah? That we don't get sidetracked or distracted or come up with some crazy. Interpretations of, you know, like what the devil is doing, as though his agenda was the paramount paramount agenda. Mhm. Okay. So, one or two other things, in terms of the old way of thinking, that I just want to touch on, so that we can say, okay, that is the old wine skin probably isn't going to fit right for new wine, okay? So you might have heard of, you know, touch not my anointed. You've heard that, all right? And um, it comes from Psalm 105. And basically, the context there is important, and it's kind of like, remember the deeds of old, remember what God has done and so on, how he brought you out of Egypt and he brought you through the wilderness and he's brought you into your own land. It's a land of covenant promise. And, and, and he, God says, I said to my anointed ones, plural, you know, do not, do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm, okay? And he's talking about the people of God. Don't touch my anointed ones. He's basically saying to the nations, my eye is on this covenant people and I'm going to bring them through into their covenant promises. So it's a complete misuse of the scriptures. When somebody says, I'm a prophet, don't you dare criticize me. Because God says, do not touch my anointed. That's not the application of the passage of scripture at all. It's completely at odds with the context. And for anybody to try and use an old prophet model, old covenant model, to escape scrutiny and accountability under the new covenant is in error. It's got to stop. I will pour out my spirit on some flesh and only a handful of elect people will be able to prophesy. No, no, that's old covenant, old wineskin, New Testament. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You'll be able to know when I'm speaking. All right? So this thing of, you know, don't criticize me and don't, uh, don't touch God's anointed. You know, mm 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 Uh Uh-uh, that is off the table. Okay? Good. How How about this one? If you listen to my prophets, you will prosper. In other words, you must obey whatever the prophet says. What's the context? 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20. All right? And the whole thing there was they were facing battle, calamity, all this kind of stuff. And the prophetic word comes for the right that moment, for that battle, and said, dudes, we're gonna fight this one a little differently. We're not gonna send the, the um, you know, the, the reccees and the, 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 you know, the elite unit up front we're going to hold the soldiers back and we're going to send the musicians and we're going to send them out in front. Okay. How many times did the people of Israel do that? How many times when they went to war did they do that? Uh, That would be once. That would be once. Yeah, yeah. So again, we've got some worship people who say, oh yeah, no, you've got to send out the worshipers first because we're going to get the victory. It happened once, people. Once. Okay? So send out the singers and the dancers and the new musicians up front. Ine. Een keer. Una. Once. It's not a model and a pattern for every time. You, 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 yeah? And so because it was so kind of like, oh my goodness. Are oh, you sure? Yeah, it's the prophetic word. Like, oh, send out the singers. Oh, we're gonna die. They're coming. What? They're gonna stab him with the trumpet. Oh gosh, well, we're gonna oh, dazzle him with a tambourine. Oh, we're gonna die. The prophetic. Word. Hey, hold on. Listen to what the prophetic prophetic word is saying, and you will be victorious. You'll prosper was to that battle at that time he was he was strengthening them this is not kind of like hey if you want prosperity in your bank balance you better listen to me because I'm the prophet I'm the man of God and unless you do what I say you won't prosper and by the way 7,000 US dollars might help into my bank account for that word to really, you know, to, you've got to put in a seed because if you don't put in a seed, you're not really believing. So, if you really believe, you've got to you've got to show something. It's got to stop. That has got to stop. That is not New Testament, not New Covenant prophetic ministry. It's an abomination and it's a manipulation of the body of Christ. It's nonsense and is based on a verse comprehensively taken out of context. Come on. One more. You okay? Okay, one more. Surely God does nothing except he reveals it first to the prophets. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm a prophet. I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, What was the context? Hey, there's a judgment coming and you guys are gonna get taken off into captivity. All the other prophets prophesying, it's gonna be okay, peace, peace, it's all right, no problem, he always protects us, Jerusalem's gonna be safe. High walls, we're gonna, it's not a problem. God's name is here, you know, the temple, everything, chill, we're okay. Yeah, and uh, and Amos says, Mm-mm, That's not how it's gonna be. All right, he's revealed something, and this is gonna be the outworking of this prophetic word because it's been revealed, and he's, he's giving us warning. He's not just doing it and then we're only getting hindsight afterwards, he's actually, he's revealed it first. So we've got this prophetic understanding. So when it happens, kind of like, okay, God knew about this one. And somehow God is working something. Because there was a bigger picture at play. Because they hadn't taken the seventh year Shemitah, sabbatical, (coughs) let the lands lie fallow, they hadn't done it for 490 years. So they owed the 70 years of sab- Sabbath, sabbatical years that they hadn't actually given the land the rest. God says, right, I told you how to do it, you wouldn't do it, now the land is gonna get a rest anyway. Chaps, let's go off, we'll migrate. 70 years and Babylon will take care of you. And I'll let the land recover and then when you come back then the land will flourish again. Because I've hit the reset, God's great reset. God can do reset. Man tries to do reset, even a great reset. Don't worry about that stuff. Hello? Don't worry about that stuff. Let worry about God's resets. God is not saying, Hey everybody, you can handcuff me and I will not do anything unless I first reveal it to the prophets because you know how important the prophets are. I mean, even God has to submit to the prophets. I'm joking, all right? This is a false statement. Um, You understand? But people have this crazy notion, all right? How do we know that this is not comprehensively like an emphatic once and for all, every single time, God cannot do anything unless he's revealed it to his prophets? How do we know this? Well, we know this because one of the greatest prophets of all time, Elijah, Come on, remember the Mount of Transfiguration. Who was there? Elijah Elijah was there. Come on. Pinnacle of prophetic ministry. Old covenant, Old Testament prophet. He gets to step into the promised land and to see the fulfillment of the promises. And he's there with old Mo. Mo did eventually get in. Late, but better late than never. He's there and he's there with a glorified Jesus and it's just like, oh my goodness, here we are, yay! Elijah. And, and you'll see the story in First Kings 19 and I've gone over time. Can we have a few more minutes? I won't even put a number to it, but can we have a few? Either, is that okay? Just, I don't wanna lie, you know. With the best of intentions, kind of five minutes and I was like, end up taking eight. Can I have a few more? Is that all right? If anybody needs to go, I do uh, please you're free to go. But I just wanted to, to just land this, if okay. Okay. Elijah's just having this most crazy time of God encounter. He's just killed 450 false prophets. It was a wreck of a day. And he's called down fire. Like fire from heaven comes and consumes a sacrifice. He's put, like, they've had three and a half years of drought, and he says, Go and get water. <laughs> it's kind of like, Where are we going to get water? We're up on the hill. He says, Bring water, chaps. And they bring, it like, Oh, you thirsty? No, no, pour it on there. He says, More. What? Come back. You thirsty this time? No, no, again. More. It's drought, where are they getting this water from? It's drought, three and a half years. He's exhausting the last of the reserves. And there's a spiritual battle because Baal was the god of rain and the god of prosperity and the god of fertility. This is no rain. This is a duel between God, the God who sends rain, and Baal, the false one, who says, I'll bring you rain. And there is no rain. And he says, come on, let's take the last of what you got, and let's pour it out. You've got no other hope but God after this. He prays seven times. First size cloud on the horizon. He says, that's it. Saddle up your horses, king. <laughs> Let's go. He out sprints the fastest chariot in the nation, 23 kilometers. Supernatural speed, running in the spirit. <laughs> and he gets there. And then Jezebel He says, listen man, by tomorrow I'm gonna have that guy's head. Something gets into him, spiritual fatigue, whatever it is, and he loses it. He's just killed 450 false prophets. What's one more? But he, off to the desert, has some angel food, goes for another 40 days on a journey, gets to the cave. God shows up, violent wind, splitting rocks. Yeah, There's earthquake, all this kind of stuff. And then a still, small voice. And Elijah hadn't come out of the cave for those other things. And he said, whoa, God's here. Cloak comes to the, the entrance. And God says, but what are you doing here? He says, I've been zealous for the Lord my God. I mean, who's he talking to? <laughs> I've done all this. And, lies and I'm the only one left. This is the great prophet who knows Alice. Huh? Huh? Yeah? Ravens? You know? Uber Eats? <laughs> Watered the Kirith Brook? The sky is supernatural. Like oil keeps flowing. The jar of flour. Every day for years. It's like. He it says, and I'm. The know-it-all prophet. And I'm the only one left. Surely God does nothing unless he reveals it to the prophets. And God says. The only one left. But. Tune in. Flash broadcast. There are another (laughs) 7,000. Just like you. Who've not bowed the knee. Did you know about that? Oh great prophet. Where God is not allowed to do anything unless he reveals it to the prophets. Really? No, no. No, and obviously no. So let us not reach into this crazy old wineskin thinking and mentality that we've got to somehow have a guru prophet in our lives because God is limited and cannot do anything unless he reveals it to the super prophets. Old covenant, old wineskin thinking. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Yay, yay, yay. Come on, Jesus. Amen. Come on. Let's embrace New Testament thinking for New Testament speaking. Amen. Flate, flate, may study us out. would you like to stand? Thank you for the extra few minutes. Really do appreciate that. Thank you, Lord, that you are speaking. Speaking today, speaking to us. Thank you that you poured out your spirit. Thank you that you've given to us discernment, the ability to know when you're speaking. We witness spirit to spirit thank you for your constant leading and guiding and thank you that no matter what storms may come our way we know that we will meet you on the other side so release hope and confidence to each one of us and it's in your name that we pray and all God's people said amen 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 amen. bless you